Welcome to the Green by Train podcast for Green Week 31. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Proyer of QJAC Consulting. He manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So week 31 is in the books, and we're starting to see some improvement. What did we see from uh, CN? in week 31. Yeah, I I think improvement is a good characterization. Um, CN managed to improve their performance for two weeks running, which is uh, usually a good sign if you can do it more than one week in a row. So they came in at 83% in uh, week 31, which was pretty much the best performance we've seen out of them since mid-November, I think. And that was up a little bit from the prior week where they were at 77%. So they're trending in the right direction, at least for the last couple of weeks. Um, A bit of mixed performance, you know, they weren't good everywhere, which is something that we've seen lots of uh, throughout the grain year this year. But having said that, uh, they were very good for the second straight week uh, in the Vancouver corridor, which is, of course, uh, the most important corridor for them when you measure it on a volume basis. Not so good in Prince Rupert, but, you know, I would say still respectable at 75%, which is above their, if you will, weekly average for the year so far. So that's a good sign. But they kind of fell down a little bit in in the East, uh, Eastern Canada and into the US where performance wasn't so good. Uh, but for those corridors, you know, the volume wasn't significant, so it didn't drag down overall uh, top line performance by a lot. The one thing I would say, you know, because context is always uh, good when you talk about numbers like this, because each week is not the same. Um, this 83 uh, percent came uh, on the lowest one week shipper demand that we've seen in the last five years. So that was a total of 1,100 cars uh, that were ordered from CN in week 31. And to give you some perspective on that, if we went to week 31 last year, the demand for CN in that week was 4,000 cars. So (laughs) quite a gap. Uh, The improved performance is good, but, you know, let's uh, view it in the proper lens, I think I would say. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. And so... The 1,100 cars, lowest demand, did you say, in the last five years? doesn't matter yes. what week? Wow. Yes. So even in the summer when uh, usual demand is lower, that's uh, – who knows what it's yeah. going to look like in the mm-hmm. next few weeks and in the usual low demand periods. All right. Well, CP, uh, also an uptick, but a little slower than CN. Yeah, CP did improve. I mean, they went from 50% in week 30 to 67%, um, which, while not great, um, again, on that issue of context, uh, it is the best week that we've seen from them in just about two months. So that's a positive sign. Um, Much like CN, uh, in a couple of respects, uh, they did uh, well in some quarters, not so well in others. Uh, and while they did well in all the corridors where volume was not significant, like the U.S. and Eastern Canada, et cetera, uh, the two big corridors for them, uh, Vancouver and Thunder Bay, um, you know, which accounted for north of not 85% of demand in week 31, 
their performance was less good. Uh, 64% of Vancouver, 52% of Thunder Bay. So when you put those things together, even though they were, you know, 100% in a bunch of small corridors, just the weight of these dragged down overall performance. Um, and much like CN, um, CP's performance comes on, you know, historically low demand. Uh, a little less so than, than CN, but, you know, at 1,500 plus cars uh, in week 31, that was the third lowest demand that we've seen for CP in the last five years. So when you put those two things together, I mean, we've seen demand slide uh, week after week after week all year. Uh, we've talked about it lots and, um, you know, I, it, it hasn't changed <laughs> now that we're in week 31. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really something. Um, okay, let's look, take a look, quick look at the provinces. Anything catch your eye in uh, Alberta? Uh, a good week, um, although CN has been sliding for the last couple of weeks, you know, uh, but they're still respectable at 74%. CP, much like in the top line, turned in their best performance in a while since November. Both railways performed well to Vancouver, uh, and that's the key for both of them. You know, CN got dragged down a little bit by poor performance to Prince Rupert, but apart from that, they were good. So not a bad week for Alberta shippers. And if you keep moving across, you know, Manitoba, best week all round in months, both railways, uh, nearly perfect. CP was at 100%, CN at 97, you know, qualify CP's performance. There was a total of 100 cars, which is a bit, basically one train that was ordered, but nonetheless, they delivered it. So that's positive. Saskatchewan, a little more volatile, unfortunately, uh, kind of a tale of two railways this week. CN was good consistent with their uh, top line performance improvement for the second straight week, two best weeks back to back since December CP, not so good uh, down for the second week in a row and came in short of 50% at 48%. So, you know, Alberta and Manitoba did well. CN shippers in Saskatchewan did well. CP shippers in Saskatchewan, not so good. So a bit of a mixed bag. Let's turn our attention to outstanding orders. Something we've been looking at for the past few weeks. Definitely some progress here. We're starting to see some of these outstanding orders get cleaned up. Uh, where do we stand right now, Mel? Um, yeah, good progress. That you know, apart from if you think about CN, apart from you know the improved top line performance, they've managed to 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 you know see progress in this area as well, and they've done it consistently now for a number of weeks. If we recall, some may, some may not, but about five or six weeks ago, CN's outstanding order counts were north of 2,500. And in the last five weeks, they've reduced that to just a little over 200, um, which is the lowest level, frankly, uh, coming out of any week since early September. So I think it was week five or week six. And, you know, so that's quite an achievement and, and kudos to them. They've obviously dedicated the resources and improved something out there that's allowed them to, to tackle that problem, uh, which is, you know, something they got to do if they're going to get their week to week performance back in order. CP has been a little slower uh, in their improvement, but they had a very good week last week. Um, they pretty much cut their numbers in half from week 30 to week 31. So I think at the end of week 31, they've got 880, um, which is down from 1700 plus uh, coming out of week 30. So 
positive signs to be sure uh, for both railways on this front. You know, uh, I wouldn't say that they're out of the woods just yet, just because, you know, performance has been extremely volatile week to week this year. Uh, but, you know, a couple of good uh, weeks, uh, say 32 and 33, uh, that would kind of solidify that and, and uh, the spring will be looking better. Well, I think one of the problems we're facing at the moment is a big question mark over whether a good week is going to be possible. And uh, obviously we're referring to this strike, the potential CP strike that, that could be coming down the pipe. And, you know, even though demand is not particularly strong, um, it's important as ever to have good supply chains getting our grain to market, considering what's happening geopolitically right now. Um, so the latest on the strike, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this. You know, there was the March 16th was the earliest that a strike action could, could be started. Um, the two sides are still negotiating. So, so, so far, no sign of a, of a strike, but um, you know, the issue still looms and there's a lot of concern amongst the industry. CPs mentioned they might uh, lock out the, the, the workers at some point as well. Um, what's the, what's the benefit to CP of, of potentially choosing to, to do a, to, to lock out? Well, more first and foremost, it's a safety issue. Um, I mean, railroads are large, complex things with a lot of moving parts. You know, CP or CN, they're, they're running hundreds of trains every day all over the country. So if their train crews, uh, you know, engineers and conductors go on strike, what they can't afford to do um, because it would just create chaos, let alone a huge uh, safety issue would be to just have uh, train crews drop the handles, as they say, and just walk off trains at 1201 or whatever they're allowed to go on strike. So for CP, a lockout gives them a window um, to have an orderly shutdown to the railway. So if they, uh, you know, decide that or if the union notifies that strike's going to come in 72 hours, the railway would likely respond with, well, we're going to lock you out. And then they will use the next three days to um, put in effect the plan, which no doubt they've been working on for a long time uh, at this point. Uh, the first part of that is how you shut down. Uh, so you park trains in sidings and the sidings are strategically chosen uh, yards. Um, and then, you know, try and work their way to the next phase of their plan, which might involve, you know, management personnel trying to run some amount of uh, traffic, although it wouldn't be large. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, ho hopefully it doesn't come to that, um, but it's definitely hanging over everyone's head. So negotiations end tomorrow. And, you know, at the moment, it, it seems like you've seen a couple of bulletins from CP. It still seems like they're quite far apart, no, the, the two sides? Yeah, the most recent one that I saw, I think, was dated on Sunday or, or Monday morning. And the issue is, seems to be, according to CP, very squarely the issue of pensions. And not just pensions going forward, but there's uh, CPs portraying it as an issue that the, the union wants to reclaim pension benefits that they think they've lost in prior years, something like that. So, uh, you know, the, the communicated customers was from John Brooks, who's the executive vice president of marketing for CP. And... In his words, he said that the parties remained far apart and that that was the divisive issue. Uh, 
Um, so the, he didn't uh, offer a lot of hope, at least in in uh, that communique that they were saw that they might be able to resolve the issue, but did say that they were going to continue negotiating, uh, said that they had offered the, to enter binding arbitration, but the union had declined to uh, participate. So yeah, they uh, I guess they keep talking and uh, we'll all hope for a breakthrough before uh, midnight tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, our next uh, next week when we get together, maybe talking about a strike and, and what that's going to mean for, for the network. Um, clearly, I think we'll be looking for quick government action to make sure that uh, the impact of that is is kept to a minimum. All right, Mel. Well, it was good to talk to you today. We'll talk to you next week. For those who'd like to see the reports, www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.